0: hallelujah amen <clears throat> can I tell you uh, maybe what you already know and I understand we're back on streaming some couldn't find it I said some things why we're doing that if you missed it I'm not going to go back into it we've had we've had a significant lightning strike and uh, we're we're waiting for other Components that are in the mail to get us back online. So, many of you know this, especially you intercessors and those who walk, that there is, we're always in a war, okay? But then there's times when, I remember Pastor Dave used to say, okay, uh, we're headed into something or we're in something. And it had a, It had a parenthesis around it or had an asterisk beside it. It was different. In other words, it was a sent kind of time. So we're going to be all right, and the church is going to be all right, and we're just going to keep going into deeper glory and glory. But I sense a fight, and I think, and I know, I don't think, I know that it's because of how close we've been getting in our services and the, the power of his spirit and the things that have been being said and done I weigh my words i'm listening because i don't want to say anything that's implementing but let me just say this uh it's always good to stay under the covering okay and i'll clarify i'm not the covering okay in the shepherding movement it, that I don't know all about that but I've heard some things about it, but they it had some real imbalances like men or women would take places like I'm your covering better not get out from under. you're, you're going to get hurt you're going to get that's called manipulation that's called witchcraft in a certain sense putting people under fear like if you leave you're going to get I'm not the covering he's the covering Okay. I am a shepherd. I lead us as best I can, along with a bunch of wonderful elders to a pasture's to stay under his covering. What do you say when his covering? Listen, when you're in a war, it's always best, and the nation's in a war, the planet's in a war, there's a killing disease out there. It's always best to stay under his covering in the sense of being close to him walking with him being able to claim his promises with confidence now i do believe this i believe it doesn't matter if you're born again you may not let's say for instance you may not have been coming to church regular giving may not even been praying but you're still born again you get sick you can, by faith, not by works, you can always access his healing power. In other words, a moment in time you say, Lord, I may not have been walking with you in the last two years, but I'm, ask, I'm believing you to heal my body. You know he'll do it. He'll do it. The only problem with that is if you get out there um, and you're not walking with him Consistently and staying in his word, your ability to access greatly diminishes, uh, diminishes not because of his goodness, not because he won't reach you, but the word teaches in many different places. And one place that comes up to mind is 1 John. It says, if we have uh, that, uh, I can't think of the exact verse right now. Homer, helped me out on that because I quoted it to you yesterday but not one nine but if our conscience here it is if our conscience condemn us not chapter three. chapter three then we have confidence with God. In other words if you're walking in a place where you stand before him you say Lord I there, there's nothing between me and you then then when you ask there's a confidence in your faith, it's not that he won't transition, to wherever anybody's at through his love and through the stripes of Jesus Christ. It's just that when there's so much between you and him, it's really hard for the individual sometimes to be able to believe. That's not the message tonight. I'm just saying for God's sake, please (laughs) stay under the covering, stay under the place where you should. And I would say this, we always talk about prayer. When do you not talk about prayer, Pastor? never (laughs) but i would say don't 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 let your prayer life slide right now this is a good time not to let it slide don't take any vacations from prayer it means not that you not that you can't go out of town but don't take any you know like extended vacations from prayer father we worship you hallelujah Worship the Lord with me for a few moments. Let's just hear what he has to say. Father, we love you. Yes, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. You're so good, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, yes, sir, I see that. Um there are two prophecies recently I'm not going to read them they're on the back table I just want because of honoring the Lord they're on our website and uh, we have them available in printed form for you tonight but one is a table prepared and that was given on the Sunday that I was gone Um, and uh, this was given by Miss Gay we you know we don't we recognize the 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 uh, whether it's God one way or the other it's not necessarily always mentioned but um, this was one that she read in her ministry and it was really good so it's we entitled it A Table Prepared it's on the back table you can get it and then we heard from the Lord Sunday through a prophetic prayer and then it led into something and uh, we've entitled this Go to the Blood and it's back there please pick those up and read them in your devotions in the next couple days. They're very, very powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, next Wednesday, someone's going to speak. And uh, I'm excited. One of us, I'm just going to hint, and you need to be here. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're believing God that we're streaming by, we're believing God we're streaming by Sunday, amen? That box that has been ordered gets here, amen? I don't know that Paul ever had to worry about a streaming box. But uh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. That's what I see to start with. (coughs) hallelujah I didn't even give you a title did I you can get it later Candy has been working all day with Comcast men at, at the house and here 2 Timothy chapter 2. Thank you, Father. Lord, again, I pray, I thank you for this group and the people that are watching and the people that are watching the days ahead when this is posted. Lord, we're coming into a significant time. We're already in it. And we thank you for it. Every service is so vitally important. Every time we stand here, Father, we sense and know your power. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God. Leaving next Thursday for Tulsa, we'll be gone. Pray. Uh, lift up Homer. He'll have a number of services during the month of... October, and you're going to be left in good hands look at verse 1 Paul is admonishing his spiritual son Timothy which is the pastor of the church at Ephesus and Timothy had a big role he's a pastor the lead pastor of a really huge church I don't have the I don't have I only have historical uh, that this church, historically, was possibly sixty to eighty thousand. There was no division at that time. They they hadn't. The church hadn't splintered. So Timothy is the head, basically, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong." in the grace that is in Christ Jesus now we got to stop right there because when he says to be strong in the grace that's something that we have to really identify ourselves with where we're at and where we're headed and the war that is against us this word grace I believe it's kairos that, that's close in the Greek. Now I heard um, I heard Dr. Michael Brown which I love spirit filled theologian Greek, Hebrew he writes a lot for Charisma Magazine and I heard him break down this charis Word disgrace, a few years ago in an interview, and he said a lot of things, like Jim Martin will say. Now Jim will tell you, you really got to be careful with the Greek, uh, as in when you're looking at like a Strong's concordance, concordance, or those kinds of things. It's not that they will steer you wrong so much, but when you just take because what, what, he's, what Jim says and uh, from what uh, Dr. Brown was saying confirms that the Greek and the Hebrew are not like straight definition kinds of languages. In other words, um, you don't get the meat out of it just by like, you know, our English words have like more just factual definition or straight blatant definition uh the Greek and the Hebrew are picture they're picture languages so there's a picture that goes along with the wording and and Jim really goes over that a lot and I trust what he says is absolute truth and Dr Michael Brown was carrying you know he was talking about this word he said yes yes and and you know you if you look into strongs and different things, they'll help you but uh unless you have lexicons that go into the the uh the picture of the word sometimes you don't you don't get it so much but he said yes grace is it's a favor an unmerited favor it is that it is god's love reaching out to humanity and his favor to them but he says also this word is has a two-part Equally meaning that it is God's strength. It's God's empowerment. And so when Paul is telling him to be strong in grace, he's talking about the same grace that Paul identified over in 1 Corinthians, uh, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is, when he said, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, that was when Paul was under a tremendous warfare. In chapter 11, he listed all the things that had come against him. And he concluded in chapter 12 by saying a messenger, an, an uh, angel, had been sent, actually a demonic spirit had been sent from Satan to buffet him. And so he's having this open, he's writing in scripture telling us his dialogue with Jesus and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm beseeching you. And he says, I, I've gone to God multiple times, three times I, I sought the Lord. And the Lord came back each time telling him, my grace is sufficient, not telling him that you have to put up with it. He was telling him when this, angel from hell this messenger comes my strength is more than equal and beyond to whatever he is trying to bring against you to destroy you and so paul no doubt is telling timothy he's not talking about god's unmerited favor at this point he's saying to a man that is in a warfare and an absolute warfare. Can you imagine a man, maybe in his 30s, with a mentor in his 50s, 60s, probably has more doctrine than any man on the planet, and he knows that this man is in an extreme warfare, and he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace, that's that imputed strength, that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's where we're at right now. We are in a place, listen, we want to reach all men. And I believe that presence will reach all men. We didn't give an altar call Sunday night. Pedro came here. Arnold brought him. No doubt had been praying for him, ministering to him. He did all the, the real legwork, the hard work. But he was born again, and we weren't having a service for born again. But that's just a little tiny prelude, prelude, prelude to what is going to happen in the future. Hundreds are going to be coming in here, or through this ministry, maybe through the website, wherever you're at, wherever your hometown is at, And people are going to be born again just with no solicitation. Just what must I do to be born again? But I say that to say this, we're committing this to faithful men and women that are able to replicate what we're teaching. You've noticed, and I haven't tried to hide this, that over the last year or so, our message has gotten more laser focused on training the revivalist now men and women can come in here and even when they don't understand everything they can get something because there's anointing but our heart right now god's heart through us is to train revivalists so that they can teach others also but it's amazing what people get Homer was telling me Sunday, he called me, he was just blessed beyond measure because he was sitting with his granddaughters, uh, Priscilla's bunch, and he said, I just, it blew me away what they're getting out of church. These kids, and they're just, they were repeating back to him, and he he said, "I, I just, you know, I just can't hardly fathom. It's just amazing. He said, I was taken back. So in our services, even when we're not trying to gear it down, the anointing is teaching people, but there's no hiding it. Our services have been teaching the revivalists or those who are come along. That's why we have so few. I mean, because we're not trying, uh, we're not trying to just broadcast this and try to get you know as many people in here as we can. We're training revivalists because it, it's it's it's. I keep I'm in a habit of saying it's coming, but it's here. Okay. The edgewaters of it is here. And you're all part of it. And all of you that are watching, that have been consistently watching. So he says, commit this unto, and that's where we're at. That's the the time frame that we're at. We're committing this unto faithful. Do you notice he doesn't say unto unfaithful? You can't teach what we've been teaching to people that are unfaithful. You if they're if they're not faithful to this, they're not going to get it. And there's people that are watching tonight that are faithful. I know you're not here. I know you're faithful. Uh, I've also been being led by the Holy Spirit to say, if you're not here, service after service, make sure that you can tell him that you've had the conversation with him of why you can't, and it's 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 clear with him. It's It's totally clear with him. So that's between you and the Lord, but... Let's be faithful. He says, thou therefore, and he's saying this to Timothy, Timothy, and he's saying to all of us, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. This is a time, and I don't know that there will ever won't be a time, and especially where America is going. I'm believing for America some miracles to take place. But that's not where that's not my money's my my spiritual money's not in that bank it's not in that bank i'm sorry if you i'm not ready to die on the mountain of this whole thing in america is going to totally turn around i'm not i'm believing now what i will die on is there's an end time harvest coming and it's here and it it can make some major changes in america but I won't go in reverse on this. I, you can't get me over there to, 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 to just die on the mountain of saying it's, this is going to... No. I know the first church went through hellacious, and I'm not cussing, hellacious times, and that's when it spread the, wor- the most, the gospel. Now, I'm praying to God. I, man, there's nobody more patriotic than me. I'm believing for something good to take place in miracles. But I'm telling you that we're going to have to be ready to endure hardness and preach this gospel no matter what comes at us. Now, right now, the best that he can do is blow out routers and those kinds of things and try to, you know, keep us from preaching the gospel. And if you get too far out there, you know, you won't be in danger from God. But we just preached that a minute ago about staying under the covering, his covering, not mine. But we have to be ready to endure hardness and keep going forward. Now, one of the things that we're doing right now, and I don't know how many of you have been listening to Brother Gary Carpenter. Please listen. Please listen to Jim. I could go on and on. Alan's great. God in them. But uh, one of the things that Gary keeps saying is, because you're all of you that are listening, many of you listen to his messages, these messages, Jim's. Uh, you know that for the last year, year and a half, two years, we've been going through a, what we call a purging process, a wall of fire. Now, that was big. The purging process were some of the things that the Holy Spirit was saying through the blueprint prophecies a year and two years ago. And it's good for us to go back to those blueprint prophecies every once in a while refresh what the Lord said. But we've been really going through a purging there's i know there's a lot of things that have died inside of me that weren't even sin but the want to's they're just you know it's like "Mm, okay not a big deal anymore whether i get to do that or not but we are getting closer to an outpouring and the lord said in one of those prophecies i asked you to pick up at the table he was praying and saying i think it was in the prayer But then the Lord said more on it, I believe, in the prophecy. Let's finish this last part. Let's go all the way through because we're getting close to getting through the wall of fire. And that's why I mentioned Gary. He's been saying prophetically, he's seeing that us, you watching, we're all getting closer to getting through this. Now, what happens on getting on the other side of this? Outpouring, tremendous outpouring miracles, signs and wonders because he's been trying to get us in a position where we're battle ready for what is coming. Wall of fire, yes, but then the real battle starts where we're winning souls and we're Joel's army going forward and uh, conquering the kingdom of darkness. But we're ready to do that without fear. Paul said, uh, endure hardness as a good soldier, now he says in verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That's, that's Luke 14 right there. That verse is, is, you can write Luke 14 right beside that verse because when he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that has chosen him to be good. That's Luke 14. That's all those excuses of the people that entangle themselves with the affairs of this life and they gave all of those excuses of why they could not participate well they had entangled themselves in the affairs of life in other words they had become engrossed in their job engrossed in their marriage engrossed in their business engrossed and they were like ah i can't make it to the revival supper i can't be a participant love you guys like the church." But I can't be one of those inside people because I, well, (laughs) the truth is, God bless you, you're entangled. You're just absolutely entangled. There's too much going on in your life. Well, I'm so busy. Well, here again, that can change. You have to be busy enough if you're a working person to make uh, enough money to supply your needs or God to supply your needs, and he doesn't want you to live from you know if something happens you know if 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 the car breaks down you shouldn't have to try to figure out how to get the money for it you know you, you should he wants you to have enough in savings and but when you have to put in so many hours that there's no prayer life or there's no you know you have to skip services um we create the world that we live in we really do so that's when you have to back up and say god it may take me a few months to change where i'm at but if i need to scale my hours back my time back my work back to be able to make it to church or make it in prayer i don't want to become entangled in life for he says and if any man will also strive for the masteries yet he is not crowned except he strive now what's our mastery one first and foremost is to know him to be conformed to his image to have a face-to-face love affair with jesus so much we're not listen you've heard me say a a bunch of times uh we're not into the thrills and the chills and the goosebumps that's not our objective we want to see the miracles but our our objective is not the miracles our objective is the harvest but the miracles come along with it and he wants to see people healed that's all god wants people healed that's all part of redemption so we look at him face to face and he's calling us to this place. And he says here, he that uh, any man that strives for, the mastery really is for us, it's revival. It's knowing him, of course first, but it's receiving this outpouring. yet he's not crowned except he strived lawfully. Well, for us, If you put it in that, in our vernacular, our lawfully or our perimeters that help us to strive. If we put it in our vernacular or I take the fruit of this verse and say this, it's all those inroads. We're striving through prayer, fasting, worship, word. That's our striving. That's our going forward. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of be first partakers of the fruit. In other words, folks, to to deliver this to the nations, to deliver this to this region, we've got to partake of it. We have got to receive it, and then out of being the husbandry or the husbandman of this vineyard, of course, in other terms, the father is the husbandman, Christ is the vine and we are the branches. But in context to what Paul is saying here is saying, you're laboring in His church as the vine dressers, and it is up to you to receive from him Timothy to receive this to be able to give it out as well. This is a generation. like no other generation. It's exciting in one sense because it's prof- prof- prophetic in that it is fulfilling the words of the of the prophet Jesus and Peter and Jude and Paul, that in the last days there will be, Jesus said, the love of many will wax cold. The word te- uh, teaches us in other places that there will be a falling away. I often say great falling away, but the word great's not in there, but in my thinking it is. There'll be... Of falling away in the last days it is because of where the church has come to much of the church at large but it testifies of us being in the end times the beginning of sorrows in matthew chapter 24 has begun i believe that with all my heart that is an earmark of the beginning to the end jesus said this when you see these things it is the beginning of sorrows you're starting just like when we talk about we're in the edge waters of revival i believe we're in the beginning of sorrows and the church is at large is not prepared for it we need to thank our god daily not for me but for him christ and for what he brought to this church and to all of us years ago the message of praying in tongues what a message What a message. We can equally thank God for the word, but without a teacher, where would we be? Without a teacher, thank God for Pastor Dave that came here and taught us relentlessly, not only here, but there, and we were able to listen through those times, through the tape, it was tape ministry then. But the essence of the necessity to pray in those relentless hours in the Holy Ghost, and we never... Never, ever can forsake that. We have to continue to pray the mysteries. I don't care how far and how long we go in revival. We have to continue to pray the mysteries. Because there's a war. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, he says this, Endure hardness as a good soldier. We have to continue to remind ourselves continually to endure hardness as a good soldier. No matter what comes, Stay the course, stay the course. I was uh, awakened this morning. Well, it's kind of my usual time, but um, I got up. I remember it was around 530 and went in and got my first cup of coffee. I knew that I'd had a dream. But it didn't dawn on me the significance of it. I went through worship. I went through an hour of worship. And on the other side of worship, then the whole thing just come back to me. Very, very strong. I then documented it. I took my phone and went into notes and documented the dream. And I it became very real after worship. It just it became like uh, watching a movie again, and I told Candy later in the morning we were doing something, and I said I had a dream. She said you did. I said yes, and we were trying to do something. The people were coming, and so I shared a little bit with her. But so I was in a place, and this was probably just before I woke up. Seems like those dreams are just before somebody might say, "I never dream." You do. Everybody dreams. You just if you think you don't dream, what they what scientists say is everybody dreams, every human being dreams, you just don't remember them if you if you say that well I I didn't dream. But some are supernatural, not all, most are not, but I know when I do. So was driving, it was night. I wasn't driving, somebody was in the driver's seat and I don't know if it was God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit but I know, it was, I know it was God in that sense so we drove up and I never looked over at him I just knew he was the one in control and we drove up to a big house, it looked like a house but it was really a church and he dropped me off <laughs> Amazing. I thought later why didn't he go inside with me he dropped me off to send me in and I knew in the dream that when he sent me in, I was going under his authority to go in there and, and to uh, bring order to that church and give a message to that church of truth. I knew in the dream that he had contacted the head of the church and let them know that I was going under his authority and that they should respect everything as if he was there. I don't know how i knew that i just knew when i walked in that i was walking with his authority and that they the church knew the church head when i walked in uh went up steps it was dark there was lights on in this big place and i walked in and as i walked in i walked in on a stage now i'm looking at down on people and the stage is very elevated and there was a lot of people a lot of people in this church well it was church time it was church service it was the service should be going and there were just people just walking back and forth and back and forth and they were talking and uh, there was no church service going on it was pure pandemonium it was pure chaos and I'm like my God and I've got something to say I know i got something to say and so I began to speak well as soon as I opened my mouth A woman that's an an exaggerated figure not a not, it didn't even appear I, I knew it was a woman it, but it was because uh, I'm way up on the stage but she's as tall as me she's elevated way above the crowd and she's in a bikini bathing suit right in the middle of church and then if you've ever seen one of those kind of uh Blow up air filled figures that are in front of convenience stores or gas stations where they can flip back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She just began to do that. Now, there was no appeal to her, it just looked almost like one of those straight figures, but it was a woman. And she began to do that in perversion. And immediately, without me thinking, I said, In Jesus' name, Satan, come out of her, come out of her. Well, she reached all the way from where she was standing, which would have been impossible, and grabbed hold of my wrist and tried to pull me off stage i repelled back and lost the break and i began and and on my rebuke she disappeared i didn't know i don't know where she went i immediately on cue without thought turned to my right to look to see where the pastor was at now the pastor was sitting over to my right a lot of people were still meandering back and forth i could see him as people go went back and forth But he was sitting in a very uh, well-dressed, staunch kind of business suit. Now, the people weren't dressed well at all, to my memory. But he was uh, seated there, and uh, he was seated like he knew that this church service should be started, but he had his back to everybody because he was seated like two rows back. And he was seated, and he was dressed in a real fine business suit and a tie and just looked like, you know, a million bucks. And he had his legs crossed in a, uh, not an Indian fashion, but like, you know, a businessman will sit and act real pious. And he looked that pious, and he had that obstinate look. He, He was so mad he was boiling he he knew that the word was he had to listen to what i had to say and everybody was um, going on about their business and still talking but he was seated like i'm going to listen but i'm not listening because i want to he had that stubborn obstinate you know i i hate that you're here look and i could see him he looked at me i looked at him and then I come out of the dream. The church at large is in a chaotic time. There is mass perversion right in the middle of it. And when I say there's mass perversion, we often talk about uh, and we think about perversion or sins of the flesh. We think about all the immoral things that can take place, and yes, that is part of it. But one of the major perversions of the church now is that the church is under shepherds that are so obstinate, so prideful, so filled with themselves, that they are missing teaching the body of Christ the truth of God's Word. And one of the things that I saw out of that was not the perversion of, you know, thank God God put some clothes on her, but God's picture was the perversion that's in the church at large. When Jesus spoke to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and he goes and he begins to speak to Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamus, Sardis, you know, Laodicea and Philadelphia kind of escaped. But the first one, Ephesus, the, the first thing he tells them, you're doing a lot of things right, but the thing that I have somewhat against you is this you have lost your first love. And the church at large has lost. It's first love for Christ. There may be an emotional kind of solicitation that can come at times where they hear a band playing or this, that, and the other, but that love does not interpret out to following Christ. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. You will follow me. The obstinate pastor See, the opposite thing of what the Holy Spirit's been saying to us for two years now is, if you want to go any place with me, humble yourself. And humble yourself. And humble yourself. Jesus, we can't get there from here because nobody's ever done it except they humble themselves under the mighty hand of God that you exalt them. What is our humbling? Our humbling is no less than staying before him in a place where, where all transition can take place. I don't know how. We've been talking about how can... See, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that inside of me... We may turn there in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It breaks my heart to know that I've got dead raising, the power to raise the dead locked up on the inside of me, and it's been locked away by a veil of flesh. But I am, I'm determined by Almighty God and before all my brethren, I am determined to tell you this, I will not relent until that veil of the flesh is brought fully down to where I step into the holies of holies, along with a lot of, other, a lot of others of you, and we step into that place where face to face we know him, and everything that's locked up, it's locked up. That transition. Listen, if, if the power to raise the dead, if, if, if the Holy Ghost is on the inside of me, that's enough power. You think that lightning, I, if I think that lightning strike was something, Jesus One of us, one of us on any given Sunday should be able to take with a field full of people, stretch out your hand and do this, and the whole crowd be healed at one time. And that's not a fictitious fairy tale. That's the truth of everything that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So the church, because it's been pastored under man be pamby pastors it doesn't know how to endure hardness as a good soldier if you break a nail you're having a hard day you don't know if you're gonna (laughs) i love the story pastor dave used to tell it i kind of thought it was a joke and then gary said no 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 he told me one day no 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 it's not a joke it's and it's and he told me the person and i know the person they, i'm sure they won't hear it tonight so I'll, you know dave said that in the days this one guy came in talked to him he said he was really going through a hard time dave you know very compassionate so he said well let me hear so he was going through a very horrible trying difficult financial test of his life okay what is it well he said well things have gotten so bad so difficult For me and my family that we had to determine to lay our pool man off we can't afford to pay our pool man to come and clean our pool anymore for us i said no no yes yes yes." but you see we laugh at that but that's the church at large we watch sunday night those and some of you might have thought why in the world would you show that The, the free burma rangers and it wasn't for us to look at, some of you might think, well, how, why, you know, that's really different. Listen, those people love God, and they're showing their love. Now, that's not our call. That's not our call. Somebody texts me the next day, and they love God immensely. They were having the same kind of reaction that a lot of people have. They said, I'm having a hard time dealing with this. Not saying it wasn't wrong what they saw. They said, it's had such an effect upon me, my wife. We're, we're in tears, we're, it's gut-wrenching to watch this and know where we're at, basically. I remember the first time that I went to, now I've gone up, I haven't gone uh, extensively like a lot, but I have traveled to most of the continents. Now if you go to South Korea, uh, I went once, I think Gary went six times there, Jim went once. Now they're more, they're just as modern as us, that's our first world. Uh, Europe's pretty much first world, at least Poland was. But uh, Africa, Kenya, and especially when I went twice to Guatemala, um, there's no way for me to describe to you the poverty. And do you know what we think? Now this is the just because it's hard not to. We think that God is the God of America. We're just a tiny. We're 300 million people there's almost 8 billion. In other words, we're just a speck. There's a bunch of people out there besides for us, and most of them live under such extreme poverty that we can't even imagine it. The places in Guatemala, they live. Now, I didn't go there, but I went to other places because I was helping build two churches or an orphanage in a church. The orphanage was a second trip. But they, they by the... I guess by the hundreds and maybe the thousands, they live at the city dump, these little kids. And they, they, they uh, pillage, you know, go through the dump every day to get enough of what trash has been thrown out to live off of. This is not said. I'm not saying this nor showing free Burma rangers for us to feel bad about where we're at. We need to, we need to prosper. Because we need to prosper to share this gospel around the world. But I'm telling you, um, here's the deal. If, if you ever, like Dave said to that person, he said, you need a third world slap. <laughs> he said it probably compassionately, but you need you need, to, you need to wake up. See, now well, here's where I know, because I've been there a few times. Maybe some of you haven't, but I've been there a few times in my life not since I learned some things, but I've been there where everything was gone. I mean everything. When you're coming out of that, or I've been here where everything wasn't, when I say everything, no, we we weren't sleeping under a bridge, but it it was close. But when you're coming out of that, like Dave says, you can take a little can of beanie weenies and if you're thankful for it and get down on your, your hands and knees and praise God for it like it was a T-bone steak and you, that was the greatest thing, God, you're, you're accessing a place in God's heart through your thankfulness that you're going to make it through. You're absolutely going to make it through. When you come back, now when I came back from those trips and I, especially when I was dealing with all those orphans, it didn't bother me to build but when they had us get in the soup line and i was putting rice on those babies plates i was gone i was gone to know that i was leaving and their world was like it was and they were orphans and when you come back and you see our opulence and you see the prosperity you can't reconcile it you can't you're like god should i give away everything i got and just to to humanity and not you know have more than just just barely enough well it's hard to reconcile but here's the determination and this is this is where you reconcile this is what i told this person i said look like the free burma rangers and that's the film those of you that was wondering what film was it free burma rangers you can get it on number of different venues it was free on youtube for a while i'm not sure if that link's still available it is okay or amazon prime you can get you may have to pay a little bit but i said to this person the reconciliation is this we might never cross a battlefield to save a person's life and pull them but if you go into your prayer closet on a consistent basis willing to give up your time willing to give up your part of your life for the purpose of not just your life, but you know that purpose is going to interpret over into other people's lives. You're doing every bit as much in truth as what those men are doing, and more because the, ours is a spiritual kingdom. Let's go over, because we got a little bit of time, but let's go over to that chapter I was saying in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Now look down on this verse here, verse 7, Paul said this, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so, listen, that's why I said there's power in us, there's Didymus power inside of us that excellency comes from him and not of us and paul said this this is this is what paul said to timothy Harden up be strong Don't let the affairs of this life Get you down in any way in other words be battle listen I'm trying to trying to say this I want us all to be sensitive to each other and pray for one another but we ought to get to the place, and I, I believe we are, by His grace, that not life calluses us. In other words, we don't get hardened from life and experiences, but the toughness of the prayer closet brings about a toughness in us that what usually would affect most people, 90% of the kingdom, just doesn't have any effect on us, not offenses not you know part of that prophecy sunday was the bottom part of it the last part of it was um how important again the holy spirit said it and i'm not going to try to pull that up but if there's anything remaining left in forgiveness for anyone now's the time to get that that under the blood that now's the time to get that totally out of your life and paul says here that we're troubled he says this in verse 8 we are troubled on every side he's talking about he his apostolic team himself yet not not distressed we're perplexed but not in despair another perplexed is like i'm not sure about this i don't know I'm in a quandary. I'm not sure which way to go. I'm perplexed, but yet not in despair. Is the message, I hope the message is getting over to you, and you're already there, but we got to be tough. We've got to be tough as good soldiers, and not, I mean, hardly anything, if anything, can rock our world. Battle-hardened, tested, tried, that's where we've been, for the last that's where we've been for the last 20 years but there's been a there's been a push not a push a leadership by the holy spirit to say come this last bit of the way get tough you are tough you've made it through but get really strong in the spirit by letting yourself totally say yes to everything i'm asking you of cut out anything i'm asking you to cut out always he says this persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the lord jesus not that you're physically afflicted but the dying in us is that we are relating to his death that he continued to surrender himself to the father so what lives in us on a continual basis is an is a heart of surrender, a heart of yielding, a yieldedness. That is the bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I want that. That's the life. That's revival. That's the manifestation of his life. He says this, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. I often pray, Jesus, I call, and this is my confession, this is my personal way of saying it, you may have ways to say it, but right in the midst of me worshiping him, I'll say, Lord, I call myself dead. I continually speak, I call myself dead. I call me, my self-expression. Whatever is holding back, The power that's in this earthen vessel, I call it dead. I call it crucified with Christ. Let me read this to you, and we'll get close with the end of this to being done for tonight. But many of you have heard this in times, but the Lord brought it up to me again because I was going back over becoming a war-hardened soldier and us just staying steady at it. And how important, because when we seen that film Sunday night, and those of you that haven't seen it, you watch you once you watch the Free Burma Rangers, you'll see some people that are just physically, absolutely tough, in the sense of the word, of working around death all the time, fearless in doing whatever they can to help people in uh, horrible situations. But the Lord was speaking to my heart: you've got to be that tough, me and us in the spirit we have to absolutely be that determined in the spirit to go in there and fight until we win now this was a piece of i don't know if you call it poetry it it doesn't have a rhyme to it but it's it may be in that category of poetry it's certainly an allegory but it's something that the lord gave me a few years ago and it's speaking not of the physical or the natural soldier but it is relating to us as a spiritual soldier. It's called the War-Hardened Soldier, and it's on our website in the printed material. Now, this is where you and I are at in the sense of our ability to accept what Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, put this in a spiritual perspective. The War-Hardened Soldier has become acutely conditioned For the battle at hand. His hands are cracked and partially bleeding from the rough wares of multiple battles. His lips and face are chapped from the sun and wind burns through braving the elements in the heat of the day. His uniform is stained with sweat, dirt, and blood blood of his own from scrapes and bruises from the heat of the battle, and blood of his comrades as he has pulled them to safety and out of harm's way the blood of the enemy as he has made one last close encounter just before he subdued them his rest is momentary he has learned to watch in the night all of this has spiritual watchings and praying and getting up and staying before the lord he's learned to watch in the night and he's and to be ready for the morning He has learned to live and function on less sleep than his civilian counterparts. Folks, Jesus doesn't love us more than he loves the people or not. But I'm telling you, he's more pleased with those that are obeying him. And we're called to a special force to receive this revival. And we've got to see ourselves continually as that special force. Hallelujah. Um, he has learned to live on far less food and water than normal. The normal human being, his portions are rationed in time and quantity. They do not serve his appetite for pleasure, but rather to supply the energy for a fighting soldier. He does not daydream of luxuries of faraway islands in the sand. He cannot afford the distraction in the imagination from something that would detour his present objective his fellow soldiers are counting on him as he counts on them to stay the course and to stay awake the knowledge that distraction will kill you or allow others to be killed is enough to bring the mind under subjection the war-hardened soldier has become acutely conditioned for the battle at hand his body has naturally relieved itself of excess fat that would slow him down his ears can hear the things even from the far distance that he never could before his eyes see the dangers that are coming even before they arrive i gotta stop right there parents keep praying for your kids the lord said in that prophecy sunday i now remember a little bit he said this will this will have an effect on your kids you're walking in your prayer it can see things see we ought to be able to see things way before they come that's part of being a war-hardened soldier his eyes see the dangers that are coming even before they arrive his eyes can see past the camouflage of the enemy even when others cannot church at large because they have not been battle hardened accept and approve of people and ordain people and put people on the front pages of magazines and in churches that are not who they say they are but the spiritual war hardened soldier will be able to look and say I don't care if everybody in Christendom and everybody on Facebook and every magazine, there's something wrong there. And if the witness tells you there's something wrong, and it's not because you're being critical, but something on the deep. See, because this is where we're getting war-hardened in here, there's a bunch of people fixing to come in here. A bunch of people. I'm looking to your elder, you elders to help me pastor this church and not to be sucked in. Don't be sucked in by a personality. Don't be sucked in by saying somebody telling you how many hours they pray in tongues. If the witness is not there and if the fruits are not there, they are not what they say they are. His eyes can see past the camouflage of the enemy even when others cannot. He sees things that civilian civilians could never see both in the day and in the dark of night. Every one of his senses are at top awareness. Even his sense of smell can smell the approach of the enemy from a distance. He has come to trust his commander-in-chief without question that his motives in the war are perfect and pure. He understands that he is fighting for those who cannot or will not fight for themselves. He has come to trust his fellow soldiers that have become part of the, uh, become battle hardened just as himself. He has come to trust his generals, that have proven themselves as trusted sol- soldiers just as himself. Quitting is not an option. There is no retreat in his thoughts. He trusts the battle plan, and does not devise a plan of his own. He does not consider himself as a hero in giving his life but rather believes that this is his privilege and his duty to do. His resolve is contagious. Fellow soldiers are empowered by his resolve. The closer you get, you elders and you people, the closer it'll make our church more powerful because everybody'll see your faithfulness, how close you are. Your, you don't even have to you don't have to go around telling anybody how much you pray. It'll just bleed off of you. The anointing will bleed off of you. It's contagious. People want to be. Hallelujah. The enemy, oh, his resolve is contagious. Fellow soldiers are empowered by his resolve. His reputation has crossed enemy lines. He has gained great fame in the camp of the enemy. The enemy speaks of him in terms as invincible, Fearless, total resolve, unshakable faith in his commission. His objectives are clear and precise because he always is in communication with his filled commander. He's never in question that his gear, his weapons, and body armor will not be supplied to him on a daily basis. His passion is not only to destroy the work of the enemy but to stand at prison gates and watch captives parade past in freedom he has no fear of the enemy he knows he cannot lose if he follows the battle plan he has no fear of death because death is only a passage into a greater victory he has one healthy fear and that is and that And it is the fuel of his passion as a soldier. He cannot and will not hear anything less at the end of this war than, well done, thou good and faithful, Jesus said, servant, for this I put in, good and faithful soldier. Enter into the joy of your supreme commander. This is the passion. This is his passion. This is his heart. This is his only desire as a war-hardened soldier. Amen. So let's stand. I'll get you out of here just quarter to nine. Hallelujah. I hope you are able to watch us tonight. Uh, We had some challenges, but uh, praise God. We're moving forward. Let me pray over you. Father, I worship you. I glorify you. I thank you for uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I pray that everyone in here is filled or will be filled in the short coming days ahead. We bless everyone watching. We bless everyone here tonight in the precious name of Jesus. And we thank you for this teaching. Amen. God bless you as you're being dismissed.